I'm uh, not going to sound like I'm from Denver, Colorado, um, but I am, and that's not in Canada. Just some of you <laughs> have been asked a few times, so how's Canada? It's not Canada, it's America, but anyway, uh, it's like asking you, how is New Zealand? Anyway, we'll move on from that. A couple of Kiwis in the front. Should probably keep that a little more quiet, but anyway, it's an absolute privilege to be with you, Nicole and I. Uh, we love Australia. I have spent many years ministering in Australia, leading a church in Australia. Uh, the other ta- side of the Tasman was in Adelaide. So, uh, but we really do love this place, and we're enjoying what God's doing. Great friends, Russ and Mary. We planted this church from Denver, Colorado, just so you know. We sent them here, and, uh, and it's incredibly exciting just to see what God is doing. This is all God, faithful people, but an incredible God who's doing some significant things. I was here a few years back, and we were somewhere else gathering, and then some crazy thing happened. Have you heard about it? Some plague hit the the world. I'm not here to glorify it. I'm just saying things have changed, Uh, but uh, it's nice to be back in the region. And just wonderful to just hear and see what God's doing uh, with the new leadership, the transition of leadership. It's exciting. And uh, we believe in transition. God will always change hands, Matthew Henry said, to prove that he's not tied to anyone. God doesn't need anyone. God chooses who he wants. And we're grateful for the pioneering. We're grateful for the eldership team. We're grateful for the new leadership. And with new leadership comes new things. And I just want to challenge you. God is a God of new things. He's taking us into the more of what he has. We all love change till change starts taking place. Uh, Mark Twain (laughs) said, the only one that likes change is a wet baby. And I think there's some truth to that. We love change. And the thing about change is two things. The first step with change is awareness. And second step is acceptance. And many people are aware that change is here and God is changing. God continues to change us to be more like Him, not to make Him more like us. And he's taking us into stuff and change leadership, change style. All those things are awesome because we're aware of them. But the second step to change is acceptance. And I think we're good at awareness, but we're not always good at accepting. And I want to just challenge you, if I may, and say, get on board with what God's doing. Let's back what God's doing. Let's celebrate what God's doing. Let's not compare others to others. Let's stick to the plan God has Let's walk in the seasons and the times because great things are still ahead for you individuals in this room as a church for Tasmania, for Australia, the great south land of the Holy Spirit and for the nations. And God wants to reach the nations from Tasmania, from Launceston. And I do believe that's part of your inheritance. So thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here this morning. If you have a Bible, go please to Hebrews the 12th chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I want to just say this, please, please hear what the Lord has to say this morning. Don't listen to a man, don't listen to my great ideas. Let's heed to what God is saying. How many of you know God is not a silent God? I think we think He's silent because He says things we don't want to hear. That's called selective hearing. And so we, but God is speaking. God's not silent. God's not holding out. He wants us to know what He's doing. And what I want to say to you this morning is don't be distracted by what God's not doing because you're not able to see what He is doing. In Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Some versions say, 
where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. One version says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, that's where they're most blessed. We need to attend to what God's revealing. We can't stumble all over ourselves because we're not able to see what God's doing. And God is doing things and we need to ask God to show us what He's doing. I think we're very good at doing our thing and asking God to be in it and hope He's in it. But God's not in our thing. We must attend to what God's doing, what God's revealing, because there it carries the life and blessing of God. Amen. So let's look to what God is doing. And in Hebrews chapter 12, here's the big revelation. It's on the back of Hebrews 11. And another revelation for the Kiwi, it's on the back of Hebrews chapter 10. And we can just go through the other, one of my favorite books in the Scriptures. I know you're not supposed to have one, but I do have one. And it's the book of Hebrews. And, and I love Hebrews. And, and, and I know who wrote it, but I'm not going to get into that with you this morning. But, but what I want to say, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 10 speaks about coming boldly. We can come with confidence and boldness because our God has made a way for us to come boldly to the throne. He paid the ultimate so we can have intimacy and we can come this morning with boldness. And can I just say, it seems that we're far more comfortable with sinfulness than with holiness. We need to understand a holy God has made a way for us to be holy and to come into His presence with confidence and assurance because He has made the way for us to Him. All of us in this room this morning. Not about being a church, about being able to go to Him anytime, anywhere, all the time. And so Hebrews 10 is more about this once and for all sacrifice. Hebrews 11 is this great hall of, of warriors and people who, who did some radical stuff in faith. And can I just remind you that the writer tells us in the book of Hebrews 11 is that they were commended, not for the stuff they did. They were commended. It says these ancients were commended for their faith. I think we get so caught up on what they did, we forget they're not in there for what they did. They're in there for what God did in and through them because of their faith. God's calling us this morning to walk in faith, not in feeling, in faith. And so this access to come into His throne, come to Him boldly to, to be a people of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, this wonderful text of the, the writer telling us we're in a race and we're called to run our race that's been marked out with it for us. Individual race, stay the course. And it says, fixing your eyes, not on the future, not on the past, not on each other, on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the ultimate perfecter, pioneer of our faith. So faith is not a feeling, faith is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Amen. And then we get to this, these verses that I want to pick up. On this morning, Hebrews 12, in verse 26, and it says, it says, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. One version says, I will not only shake the systems of this world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Verse 27, 
The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Some versions say one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. (laughs) I like that version. It's very descriptive. We love to mystify the shakings of God, but it's clearing the stuff the religious junk, the things we carry, the clutter that gets in the way. God shakes it up to remove what can be removed. So what stands is the kingdom of God. And then it says in verse 28, Therefore, because of, since we are receiving, not achieving, receiving, a kingdom, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. Let us, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Since we are receiving, a kingdom that is unshakable, our response should be grateful, thankful, and to go to our God who is a consuming fire with holy reverence and awe. You see, shaking and the stuff we go through is not all the devil. Much of it is God. And God will shake all things because shaking reveals what we're anchored to. We don't know where we're anchored or what we're anchored to till the shaking takes place. And the good news and the bad news is that when shaking takes place, that which stands is the kingdom, but what that which is gone is not the kingdom. And how do you know it's not an easy time when you get shaken, but it's a great time because it reveals to us what matters and what doesn't matter. And that's why the Hebrew writer is saying we can then, our response should be grateful. How many of you have been grateful for the season we've gone through of all the craziness and the madness and the lockdown and the shutdown? And I just want you to know, I don't believe God sent COVID. But I want to tell you, I know where it came from and I'm not going to go there, but it wasn't God. But let me tell you this, God allowed COVID. Why? Because it happened. You can pretend it didn't, it did. We locked down, and I'm not getting political or anything. I'm just telling you, God takes all these things and He reveals through some of this, the shakings of God. I wonder how many of us have gone to God through these crazy times and seasons where people have lost family members, lost businesses, lost a lot of stuff. How many of us have actually gone to Him in this crazy time and thanked Him for the season? I'm not thankful for what happened, but I'm thankful that this side of eternity God has revealed what is kingdom and what's not. That I haven't just given my life and my family and we've paid the price and we travel and we go and we plant church and give ourselves to everything hoping it's God. The shaking shows what's God and what's not. And we can, this side of eternity can adjust what needs to be adjusted so we can truly give our lives to what matters, the kingdom of God. You see, I would love to come and Blow wind in your sails this morning and tell you how awesome you are. And you are awesome and you need some wind in your sails. 
But if it's the kingdom that is going to stand, then why do we bother with anything else? Why give our lives to something? Why invest? Why make it about other things that when the shaking comes, it all falls down? Let's get back to the intention of God, the king and his kingdom. It's the kingdom of God that we are about because that's what God is about. See, God is shaking things up because shaking reveals what we anchor to. I believe God shakes for things to be taken down, to break down, to break things down. I believe God shakes to break things up. There's been some breaking up over these seasons where God's broken things up and religious gear and all this stuff. God's just broken some things and shaken it up. God's in the shaking, breaking things up. God shakes to break through. God's brought breakthrough. How many of you, even in crazy seasons and shaking, have, extent, have found breakthrough? God is a God of breakthrough. And there have been breakthroughs that have come. When God shakes, it's not just to bring everything down. It's to break things up and to bring breakthrough. And we have, as God's people, found breakthrough in a time and a season like this. Got to see what God's doing. He also does things to shakes to break open. Break open. One of my favorite verses, and I think one of the most quoted verses, is, Hebrew, uh, is Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And it says this. God opens doors that no man can shut. Yes, amen. I mean, if you don't get excited about that, you will not get excited today. <laughs> Hebrew, uh, God opens doors that no man can shut. I mean, I have heard so many preachers on that. We have quoted that at every prayer meeting. We're grateful that there's no government, there's no politician, there's no person, there's no pastor, there's no leader, there's no spouse, there's no parent. Nobody can close the door that God opens. That gives us courage. But can I say the great door opener, it goes on in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It, the same God who opens doors, it goes on and says, and he closes doors that no man can open. Mm. I haven't heard too many preaching or preachers preach about the great door closer. Great door opener, bring it on. But the same great door opener is the same great door closer and he closes doors in order to open doors. <laughs> and whenever there's a door closed, the devil gets the glory. He did that. No, no, God closes doors in order to open doors. And when doors close, we've got to get better as God's people to see what God's doing and to look for the open doors when other doors close. Because we're so busy having prayer meetings to kick down doors that God's closed or to blame. And I, I'm just... For me, us, how about we get on, to, uh, get on board with what God's doing? What doors are open because of some doors that have closed? Doors closed, doors open. Same God, great God. If He closes doors that no one can open, well, then they're not going to open. If He opens doors that no one can shut, well, then they're going to stay open. So let's look to the doors that have opened through the closing. And globally, we've seen the doors open for the church like never before. But we've also seen doors close in order for us to see the open doors. He also shakes to break in. To break in. Here's the truth, friends. Jesus wants his church back. He doesn't want to be referenced and talked about out there. He doesn't also, the Holy Spirit is not some optional extra for deluxe Christians. This thing of theology that God is everywhere and God is with us is true, but God doesn't want to just be everywhere and with us. He wants to be not just omnipresent, He wants to be manifest present in His people. 
And I believe God has shaken things up and he's shaking things up to break back into his church because he wants his presence with his people. It's his presence that is our power. So I've been thinking about this for a while. What would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just people? It probably would look different to the church we see in the Western world today. God's not drawn to all these things. And gee, what a great facility. And we need it because it would be a bit hard under a tree right now. But this is not where God lives. This is where God lives, His people. And when we come together, He wants to reveal Himself and He wants to manifest Himself. And we want to attract God because when God's here, people will come. But we're so busy trying to get people, we forget God is the attraction. <laughs> Hello? So God looks at the outward, inward, the heart. Everyone else looks at the outward appearance. So we've got all the tricks, not this church, but every other church, to get people in. And I'm all about reaching people, but I'm telling you there's no greater way to reach people than have God with you. Not just in theology, in reality, in substance, in manifest. And you're going to see that in Scripture. God wants to manifest Himself to His people, not just omnipresent. God is everywhere. We're comfortable with the God everywhere. But God is here, not just everywhere. And we've got to make room for that God. Amen? Breaking out. God's called us to break out. You know, shaking breaks out. Can I tell you that COVID wasn't sent so we could all take the church online. I believe part of the shaking was to get the church out of the building. But not just put us online. Get amongst the people and go be the church. It's time. We can't wait for them all to line up here. God's called us to go be the church where he has us be. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption heals. You see, we have been saved from, rescued from, and, and I love testimony. And if we had time, we'd go around and say, tell me your testimony. And this is how it is. I was a bad dude and I got saved and that's my testimony. And we want to say, well, hang on, that's the beginning. More important, tell us about what you saved into rather than what you've come out of. But all testimonies, I was a really bad person. I was a hell's angel and, I, and then I got saved. Okay, cool. And now, well, that's my testimony. No, no, friend, that's the beginning. You've been saved into something way better than what you got saved out of, according to Scripture. It's more important what we're in than what we came out of. But we've made it all about what we've come from rather than what we're in. And the Bible says we've been rescued from kingdom of darkness. We are now in the kingdom of light, the righteousness of God, Jesus Christ, the head of His people. Matthew 6, seek first His kingdom, His will, and His righteousness, His way. And all these things will be given to you. Seeking the kingdom is the priority. of the In Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought the field. The value of that property, that land, that field was the hidden treasure called the kingdom. 
He joyfully sold everything to buy the field, not to have the field, but to have the treasure in the field. And you know what happens to believers so often? Is we get so busy mowing the land, taking care of the field, and we lose our joy because we've lost the understanding of what the treasure is. The treasure is the kingdom of God. And when the church is the treasure, we lose our joy. When each other, ministry, my calling, and all the stuff I'm called to do becomes the focus, I'm so exhausted because I've lost the hidden treasure called the kingdom of God. Some of us perhaps in this room have lost our joy. And the reason it is because we've made it about the stuff rather than going back to the kingdom, the hidden treasure that gives significance to that property. Are you there, friend? I'm telling as a preacher, as a leader of NCMI, I've lost my joy many times because I've got so busy doing this stuff, I forgot it's the kingdom that gives it, gives me the joy and the significance of what we do. Come back to the kingdom. Don't get so busy mowing the lawn you forgot the kingdom is the reason you're involved in what you carry. In Romans 14, 17, and 18, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. See, kingdom living is the central theme of the entire New Testament. Jesus spoke more in the Gospels about the kingdom than anything else. How many of you know it's important if he spoke about it more than anything else? Jesus' first sermon was the kingdom of heaven being at hand. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. He prayed to the Father that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. It's the kingdom that is delivered over to the Father, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. It's the kingdom that demands repentance, Matthew 3, verse 2. It's the kingdom that Jesus explained to the bewildered disciples before Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he preached and spoke of the kingdom for 40 days. Before the cross, he preached kingdom. After the cross, he preached the kingdom. How many of you know the kingdom of God is what matters to God? And it cannot say if it matters to him, then it can't be added to what we're doing. It's the reason we exist on this planet as the followers of Jesus. It's the kingdom that Nicodemus was seeking to great personal risk. John 3 verse 30, uh, John 3 verse 3, Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It's the kingdom that is not in word but in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. So here's what I want to say. And I can keep going with more scriptures but I think you get in the point. It's pretty evident right through scripture. Now, I don't believe anyone in this room disagrees with this. We're not asking do you agree. We're not even asking do you know this. The question is, is this still your priority? Is this still mine? And God's challenging His people to come back to the kingdom of God. And make sure we're on the right mission, doing the right thing, because what we do here matters for eternity. Everything else can be shaken, will be shaken. I want to say this. I believe the church is in the kingdom, 
And I believe the kingdom is in the church. But I don't believe the church is the kingdom. The church is in the kingdom and the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. Now, I know that some have been taught that the church is the kingdom and, and I'm not questioning the hearts of people who have taught you that. I'm just asking, go read the Bible for what God says the kingdom is. You see, if the church is the kingdom, well then, as much as I love Tim, he's not the king, but he becomes the king and that's what we make. Pastors the king because it's all about them when the Bible says it's all about one king and that king is Jesus Christ. If the kingdom cannot be shaken, how many of you have seen the church shaken? I've been here a couple of days and I've connected with people who have history here and they've shown me places where the church used to be no longer exists. Do you know in the United States through COVID, 35,000 churches closed down through COVID and they've never opened up again, 35,000. Why? Not the kingdom. Do you know the, the churches that Paul planted, that we read of, and that he writes to, some of those churches do not exist today. Does that mean they're not relevant? No, no, just showing you the church is not the kingdom because if it's the kingdom, it will always be there and always established. But the church is in the kingdom and the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. <laughs> That's why shaking happens. That's why church splits. That's why we have all this nonsense going on. Because God is establishing kingdom in us, but we are not the kingdom. Is, is that okay? It's kind of the best I've got is this. The church are the people of the kingdom. But the kingdom is the purpose. It, it's kind of like two legs. I'm sorry, the best illustration I can go with here. But I've got two legs here. You might not know that, but there's two legs. One leg, it's a right and left leg. They're not the same leg. Both legs are needed, but they're not the same. And it's kind of the kingdom is needed and the church is needed, but they're not the same leg, friend. The purpose is the kingdom. The people of the purpose is the church. And the minute we make the people of the purpose the purpose, it all becomes about us rather than about him. And that is evident in the church globally today. So we just got to fix it, not get rid of, just fix it. Get focused back on the mission, the kingdom, and realize we have a purpose called the kingdom, but we are the people who have been called to advance the kingdom of God wherever we go. So what is the kingdom? Good question. It's been so mystified. And listen, I don't have a full understanding of the kingdom, just so you know. I don't think anyone does. And if you think you do, well, you don't, okay? But in simplicity from Scripture, the kingdom is simply the rule and reign of God. Wherever God rules and wherever God reigns, that's the kingdom of God. Someone said it like this. It's God's reign through God's people over God's place. So the kingdom of God is not this mystical thing that we hope for and hope we're gonna hit. And we understand where God rules and reigns, that's the kingdom of God. People say, oh, so you kingdom now. Well, yes and not yet, because I do believe the full reign of God will come when we are in eternity. But I do believe that Jesus brought the kingdom here to earth. I do believe if you're a believer here this morning, the rule and reign of God has come in your life. You've surrendered yourself to him. And now he's ruling and reigning in you and through you. That's salvation. 
I do believe if you pray for the sick and they get healed, it's the kingdom of God breaking in the rule of God in us and through us. If we have a marriage and we've seen God bring people together and bring miraculous situations, the rule of God in marriages, in financial breakthroughs, and we can go on and on. That's the kingdom, friends. So yes, the kingdom now and not yet. But we have to understand we've been given a mandate from heaven to advance the kingdom, to extend the rule and reign of God. And can I say this? You can't give what you ain't got. So we love to talk about kingdom and give everything, but you've got to be surrendered and the rule and reign of God has to come in our lives in order to go and extend the kingdom where God has called us to. So what are quickly, in the few minutes I have left, some characteristics of the kingdom? Well, the first characteristic, and can I say the most important characteristic of the kingdom of God is number one, the sovereignty of the king. Oh, we know that. Yes, we know that. But how sovereign is he in the church and in your life? You see, no kingdom has any significance if it's not about the king. The king brings significance to the kingdom. And I've listened because I think since the crazy season of the whole shutdown and lockdown globally, I've listened to what's come out and what preachers are preaching again. Because I want to hear what's God put on the heart of preachers again? What's the attention? What's he getting us back to? And can I say, there's been a lot of kingdom preaching, and I think it's a good thing, but a lot of kingdom preaching with a vacant throne, where we preach kingdom without preaching king. (laughs) Jesus is the sovereign king of the kingdom. He's the main sign. So the songs we sang this morning, praise God, there was no question who we're worshiping here this morning. Amen? The king. He, Jesus, is the king. It's king. But let me tell you, it's not just in our moments. I was in a meeting a while back, and I'm telling you, friends, it was one of those, this has to be what heaven's going to be like. I was so moved by the, everybody worshiping. There were the, the worship leaders were on their knees. The whole team was on their knees. People were on their knees. People were reading out of Revelation, kind of a bit of what we had this morning. And I was like, oh, Lord, you must be so blessed because I'm blessed. This is heaven. And I felt the Lord say, Luke 6, 46. I should know every scripture I know, but I didn't know that one. And, and I went and looked it up and I said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I say. <laughs> we can sing about the sovereign king this morning. We can tell him how awesome it is and he rules and reigns. And, and we can walk out those doors and go back to our own life doing exactly what we want. He's not king. He's not Lord. Don't call him Lord. He said, don't call me Lord if you don't listen to me. He's the main son of the kingdom. See, if we're church focused, well, then we're the focus. If we're kingdom focused, he's the focus. We've got to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of Australian culture. And the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1, that he has preeminence. He's been given not a place, first place, preeminence in everything. He has been given first place. That's the king. Now I ask you this morning, does he have first place in your life? I was in a conference not a while back and one of my friends was preaching and, and he said, Jesus is either ornamental or he's fundamental in the church. 
I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? And he said, this is what it means. Ornamental means we put Jesus where we want him to be. We move him around to fit around us. They got Christmas trees and you put ornaments on and you choose where they go. That's kind of how many people see Jesus. We pick him and choose him and put him where we, he fits. If he's fundamental, we fit around him. He doesn't fit around us. Now, I'm challenged by what I'm preaching. But I want to get about the kingdom. Well, then it's best we realize the sovereignty of the king. Every day of our lives, he's been given first place in it all. If he's king, then we seek in the governing of the king. He's not our mascot, he's our master. We're guided by the king. We gather for the king. This gathering is not for the elders or for each other. While we all benefit, it's for him. We go for the king. We grow. This church is growing. Not so you all look awesome. It's for the king. Everything we do is for the glory of the king. You know, in Matthew 16, a great text where Jesus asked his disciples, who are people saying that I am? He says, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, Elisha, one of the prophets. In other words, you're a good guy who's doing some good stuff. And Jesus said, well, what about you, my disciples? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because that didn't come to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. And then for the first time in history, he begins to present the church that he's building, a church that's storming the gates of hell, a church that is fruitful and functioning and advancing and taking ground. And he says this, and I'm giving you the keys, not to the kingdom, of the kingdom. Give me some leeway here, but I believe what he's saying is, now that you know who the king is, I can trust you with kingdom stuff. See, I I believe everyone in this room, especially if you're a believer, you're here for the more. Give us more, Lord. Entrust me with more. Be faithful. Come on, Lord. There's more advancement. There's more you want to entrust me with. And I want to ask you, are you faithful with the revelation of the king? Because he can't entrust us with kingdom stuff if we don't recognize daily who the real king is. And it's not me or you or the pastor or the leaders. It's him, one king, Jesus Christ. That's kingdom understanding. Secondly, Spreading of the gospel. (laughs) Kingdom people, you know what they do? They don't tell people about their great church or their great ministries. They tell people about their great king. Matthew 24, I don't know where you believe and what you believe about the end times and all that, but Jesus said this, these things will begin to happen as signs that the end is near. It hasn't happened, but these will beginning the signs, he says. And he says in Matthew 24, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all ethnos, all nations, and then the end will come. That's not the commission, that's a promise. This is not a gospel of the church, a gospel of my latest ministry. It's the gospel of the kingdom, the rule and reign of the king. It needs to be preached everywhere before the end can come. See, I get to travel and now the nations are open and we get on the planes and I love, well, I don't love, I'm, I'm kind of overflying. It's a lot, but it's a great opportunity because you sit next to someone for 16 hours. And after like a minute or two, they say, oh, so where are you going? What do you do? And then you see them getting the, getting the flight attendant. Excuse me, can I please move? Is there another chair? Because they know they're stuck with this guy who's going to tell them. And you know what? I speak for hours to them about Jesus. 
Eventually they're like, you know what, we've been talking for six hours. You haven't told me the name of your church, the name of your ministry. You've just told me about Jesus. And I'm like, guilty. Why? Because kingdom people don't promote their ministry. They promote the king because he's the one who saves. I'm not anti-ministry. I'm just telling you, friend, the message of hope for this region, for the nations, is not you or me or a great church. It's the king and his kingdom is what the world is seeking. And we kingdom people need to talk about our king. Charles Spurgeon says, the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. And some say, well, let's go and preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that? I understand what he was saying, but he's wrong biblically. We're called to declare the good news. We can't just live it and hope people ask us. It's kind of like saying, hey, let's go feed the hungry this afternoon and if necessary, give them some food. Hungry people need to eat. Lost people need the good news. And we've been called to declare it. And I also know we've got to live it, demonstrate it, but we're called to declare. Go tell the world that Jesus lives. Go tell them about the King who's made a way for every person on this planet. That's our message. The gospel's not just about making bad people good. It's taking dead people and making them alive. Thirdly, signs, wonders, and miracles is a sign of the kingdom. Now, I want to be careful because I realize there's different gatherings and different people and different history. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I've been taught other stuff to what I'm teaching you this morning. I'm just trying to go back to what God has to say. I say this carefully. If you church focused... <laughs> Well, then we trust for signs and wonders. We'll pray for sick people and hope God shows up. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't, they're still headed to heaven. If you're kingdom focused, well, then God has to show up. Because it's a sign of the kingdom of God, the rule of reign. And so here's what I have found, and I'm sure you can acknowledge this too, that if I can talk you into this kingdom, Someone will talk you out of it. And I've done that. I've so talked people in, and then someone's come along and talked them out. But when there's a demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles, people then don't say, this guy's got something to say. They say, gosh, there is a king who's made a way. And that's God's way, friends. And so signs and wonders are not optional extra. They're not dead in the Bible. Now we've got the Bible. We don't need this. We are kingdom people who need to walk in kingdom power. And it's not the preachers, and it's not the evangelists, and it's not the people we've made the heroes. God's given His power to all people. <laughs> it's not for the chosen few, it's for all kingdom people. We get to lay hands on the sick and trust God will show up and show them His rule and reign. We get to go on the streets, not the preachers and evangelists or apostles. You, my friend, if you're a believer here this morning, kingdom person, you have the same power that I have standing in this pulpit. And somehow we're going to break this mindset. It's them who does it. God's saying, I want my people to do it. God confirms his kingdom with miracles by breaking in. And signs and wonders we do not follow. Signs and wonders follow us. We don't run after signs and wonders. I've watched, and if I can just, I don't know who you are this morning. Don't run after that, you'll get lost. I don't know tempo and bowling. I'm not a good tempo and bowler, but do you know what that is? Do you have that here? Okay. Is that what you call it? I don't know. It's, 
Do you know that the, 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 apparently the thing is to throw that ball to hit the pins? That's what the aim is, apparently. But on the side, there are these little arrows that point to the pins. We're not trying to hit the arrow. We're trying to hit the pin. And signs and wonders, in my perspective from Scripture, are the pointers to the point. Signs and wonders are not the point. They point us to the point, and that point is Jesus Christ. So how many of you know, if you want people to see Jesus, best we step up. Lay hands on the sick. Watch what God can do. Watch with the prophetic operating, not through the prophets, through God's people who are prophetic. Duncan Campbell said, the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with people, but by people in the churches becoming filled with God. Some say, well, I want to try the Holy Spirit stuff, kind of, I don't like the unusual, so I'm not sure I'm open for that. Well, it's like trying to say, I'm going to go for a swim this afternoon, but I don't want to get wet. There is unusual in the power of God. We don't go after it, but God wants to demonstrate, not normality, heaven here on earth. And the same Holy Spirit who empowers us to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, to speak in heavenly language and speak in time, is the same Holy Spirit that tells you and helps you and I be silent, be quiet, apologize, repent. Same Holy Spirit. And so many want the signs and wonders, but they have nothing of the fruit. We need the same Holy Spirit, fruit and power. Let's walk in the power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number four, quickly. You guys are listening so well. Well done, eh? Good job. I'll never come back, I'm sure, Tim, but uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I want to say this. Salvation through being born again is a, is a characteristic of the kingdom. Now, I, I'm not getting you to question your salvation. If you have believed in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, you are saved according to Scripture. We, we're not saved by promising anything to Him. We save by believing his promise to us. But can I suggest there's not enough emphasis in today's church on being born again. And so what we present is salvation. And then we've got people doing all they can for the rest of their lives to try and get to something they already have. The Bible doesn't say I'm saved and then it's all about me now working it out. It's more about being a born again. I'm a new creation. I'm not a bad dude who's been made good. I'm a dead man who's been made alive. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Oh, 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 yeah, it is 5. Born, you're a new creation. The old is gone. Not trying to get rid of it. It's gone. You're a new creation. So we don't have to jump through hoops to get to something you really are when you're born again. And, and I wanted to say, Jesus said, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Born again is not just inviting Jesus into your heart. The understanding of rebirth is critical for the kingdom. Children inherit the attributes of their parents. To be a child of God is not a small thing, friend. Kingdom people do not live at the foot of the cross. Kingdom people live at the feet of Jesus. Now, some of you are going to want to throw rocks. Just hear me. The cross, without the cross, can I say the only reason the cross is significant is because of who was on that cross. But that cross is the entrance into the kingdom. But Jesus is not on the cross. He did the cross thing, and without the cross thing, there's no entrance. But now we're in. Now we celebrate the king. 
And we, the Bible says, he's, Hebrews chapter 1, seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not here on earth. He's in heaven ruling and reigning. And we need to worship him where he is, not where he was. So when we keep saying, go back to the cross, I'm like, I don't want to go out of the kingdom and then back in. I don't need to. I'm in. I need to just honor the cross of what he did. I can walk in there, but I need to see where he is today. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So don't keep going back to the cross. Thank him for the cross and what he's done, but keep coming in and worship the king for where he is. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. I'm asking you not to agree with me. Read the Bible the way God intended it. Because I've been taught very different. The kingdom of God provides a holistic understanding of salvation. Not only what we're saved from, but more importantly, what we're saved for. We are saved from death for life. We are saved from shame for glory. We are saved from slavery for freedom. We're saved from sin for following our Savior. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. To be saved into God's kingdom is to embrace God's comprehensive rule over every aspect of your life. It's, far, it's a far cry from merely asking Jesus into your heart. It's a new life, a new identity, and a new beginning. There's a culture shift. There's an identity crisis around the world. And maybe some of you in this room are struggling. And, and here's what people say to me. You know, Tyron, I, I feel like I was just born this way. And I don't know. I, I've got some ideas and things that I can help you with. But here's the good news. If you were just born that way, the good news is we've all been called to be born again. I was born that way in other areas, but I was born again. So now I'm a new creation. So I don't have to live in what I was born in. I'm born again. So if I was born that way, well, good news is we're all called to be born again. That's what salvation's about, being born again. There is a solution for identity crisis. Be born again. God's way, the kingdom. Now I'm trying to, I realize this is a big thing and I'm opening a can. Good luck, Tim and the elders, but I'm just... We, we so mystify this stuff. Just understand being born again. And I think we'll find far more fruit in what God has for us. But we don't talk enough about being born again. We talk too much just about being saved. And I think that's why many people don't even understand the kingdom because they're not understanding being born again. And Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. If I haven't stepped on your toes, I'm about to. And let me just tell you about being baptized. Have you heard about that? Or something we think about, it's something we get taught, and if we really want to consider it, we go and do an eight-week course. And the elders or anyone who knows the Bible tries to convince us of something that's possibly needed. And then afterwards we say, if you want to and if you're ready, let us know. Now I'm just going to tell you, you don't have an option to be baptized. The Bible says, repent and be baptized. And I want to say this, without trying to build a theology, why those of us who haven't been baptized, why we struggle perhaps in this stuff is because it's a public declaration of what's happened inside. The dead is left behind and the new has come out. We're not saved by doing anything except believing what he's done, but there's a declaration that he requires of us. And if you're still thinking about being baptized, friend, it's based, you following Jesus on your terms, not on his. <laughs> 
And I've led a couple of churches and I've said, ah, if you want to let me know. Friend, there's no if you want it. When you lay down your life and you're born again, you don't want to, you get to. And the first thing you do is to go under publicly, not just a little head baptism and water, fully coming out of the water. Why? To prove I'm a new creation. And you know what? I think you'll walk in far more of your new creation if you go under the way intended and you come out. You're not born, by being baptized, born again by being baptized, but it's the declaration of you being born again. And you might say, well, you know, I'm, you know we, we've got to wear the robes and we spit cold. And listen, there's no convenient time. Read the scriptures. The Ethiopian eunuch, he gets saved and instantly he says, I need to be baptized. Oh, well, you've got your best shoes on and you've got your jeans and you look good and you... We'll just do it next week and we'll find a place. No, he said, there's a puddle. Baptize me. Why? It's the first thing I need to do. And we've made it convenient. When you're ready, if you're ready. You're ready. Today is your day. You need to be baptized if you're a follower of Jesus. It's no longer think and pray. Go do it and watch the change in your life. There's a reason he told us to do it. There's not a lot he requires of us, but one is baptize, repent and be baptized. I can see somebody like, you're like, this is not what we were taught. Nor was I taught this, but I just dared read the Bible. And actually, we've made it so difficult. It's pretty easy. If you're saved, you want to be born again, be baptized. Today, there's plenty of water around here. I preached in Toronto, Canada. It's pretty cold in November, December. I mean, I, I live in Denver. It's cold. That place, I can't breathe. It's so cold. And I would preach there and say, we need to get baptized today. The guys went and got baptized in the lake in minus 15 Celsius. No worries. Why? doesn't matter how cold it is. I'm not really ready for it. I needed my hair. I just had my hair. I get all the first world problems. Let's get back to the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right. Good news for you is I've got a plane to catch. Another Another characteristic, I won't preach on it, but it's in there, suffering. Oh, okay, it's in the Bible. Suffering for being kingdom people. You know the apostolic message of encouragement from Acts 14? We must go through many hardships, they said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, when we preach church, people disappear when crisis hits. And we've seen that. How many people have left? And I'm not pointing fingers through COVID, have not come back, just decided I don't need church. Why is that? Because we've made it about the church rather than the kingdom. But I'm telling you, people will endure till the end if they understand it's about the kingdom. And they wrote, those apostolic message was, we must go through many hardships, they said, to enter the kingdom. That was their message of encouragement. Imagine me standing up and saying, hardship awaits you. How many of you encouraged? Put your hand up. You'd want to stone me as an old covenant preacher. Meanwhile, it's in the new covenant. It's part of our understanding of the kingdom. <laughs> I've never got an amen for that, so well done. You stick into it. Number six, sending and multiplying. Multiplication, sending, multiplying, planting churches, everybody. Multi- it's the kingdom language. If we're about the church, it's all about we need to be together and hold on to everyone. If we're about the kingdom, it's about how do we release and send and go and multiply. We don't hold on. We send and multiply because we are about advancing the kingdom of God. And the last thing I want to say is the kingdom of God gives us a life of significance. A life of significance. Now for so long we've said this, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And that's a big deal question. Can I just say nobody, God doesn't send anybody to hell. 
God never intended hell for any person. God made, the, made hell for the devil and his demons. And then he made the only way by sending his son to die. So nobody goes there except by choice. So God doesn't send you to hell. You choose to go there if you don't accept what he's done for you. But so often we say, well, if you die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And that's, church, that, that, that's not enough kingdom understanding because I think as important as if you die tonight, where will you wake up? Where will you spend eternity? If you wake up tomorrow, which is more likely for the most, there's no guarantees. But you who are believers here this morning, if you wake up tomorrow, as important as if you die tonight, who or what will you live for? Your life matters. It's significant. The kingdom gives you significance. It's not who's in the pulpit today. It's not. And we've made it about the church. So if you don't serve here or serve publicly here, you really have no significance. That's church-minded understanding. Kingdom is you wake up tomorrow, you go to job, you go to your work, you go wherever you go. If you're living what God's called you, you're as significant, I believe, as me standing here telling you how about the kingdom. Why? Because it's significance for every person. So stop trying to find your role here and find your role in the kingdom. You're significant. If no one sees it, God sees it. You are in this thing and you need it for the advancing of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. I don't know, most of you in this room, and it would be wrong for me to just presume that you are all believers, all born again. How can we hear about the king and his kingdom and not at least give you an opportunity to meet him? No tricks to this, friends. I'm not asking, are you religious? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, have you heard about Jesus? I'm asking, is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you allowed his rule and reign? Peace with him will give you peace with everyone else. And if you haven't, I'd love the opportunity this morning to introduce you to this king who becomes Lord of your life the moment you give your life to him. If you say, Tyron, that's me, and I want to do that this morning, just put your hand up. This is no one else's business, but I want to just include you in a prayer. Is there anyone here who says, I need to, this morning, surrender my life to Jesus? Put your hand up if you are that person, those people. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? We're not sending, selling him. We're not auctioning him. We're presenting a moment to surrender and the life of God to come, to be born again. Is there anyone else? Okay, there's some lady who's responded. I want to ask you, would you just pray this in your heart and anyone else who needs us to respond? Just say, Father, thank you this morning that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. I believe he is who he says he is, and I believe he has done what he says he's done. And only because of that, I can be saved this morning. I invite you to become Lord and Savior of my life. I repent, I turn from my sin, and I turn towards you, Jesus, my King, and I lay it all at your feet. And I say, be the rule, the ruler of my life, the king. Come and rule and reign in my life at every level, I pray.
Thank you that I'm born again, a new creation right now, simply by responding to your finished work. I thank you that I'll never have to do this again, that today I'm a child of God. And I pray you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit to lead me into all that you've accomplished on that cross. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for helping me be born again. And thank you. I'm now your child. Have your way, we pray. And then just the rest of you, I, I want to just encourage you, if you need to respond to anything that's been said this morning, or if God's got your attention, would you just be bold enough just to stand up? I just want to generally pray for everyone. But if God's challenged you and you need to respond, there's a surrendering process, whatever it be. This is no one's business. Just stand where you are and let the Lord just do some work in you. Let the rule and reign of God come. This isn't for salvation. This is for understanding of the kingdom again. And when God speaks, he looks for a response. He doesn't speak for the sake of speaking. It's always for a response. I know you can go home and deal with it, but why not right here? Let's surrender afresh. If you'd be bold enough, those of you who are standing, would you just raise your hands to the king and do some business with him? He's your king, and I don't have to pray on your behalf. You get to pray to your king yourself. But just speak to him. Let the rule of God come, the reign of God. Even if you're sick here this morning, you can stand, and the rule of God can come and bring healing to your body, friend. I don't have to pray for you. God can heal you as you receive. Just raise your hands to him. Accept, receive the rule and reign. Signs and wonders and miracles. God wants to use you people more and more. If you just step out and trust. Significance. Some of you struggling perhaps with identity. And I'll tell you what, this morning the Lord says, if you know who he is, he can show you who you are. I think rule and reign. We don't tell him what to do. He tells us and we can trust him. And so, Father, all these wonderful people standing, would you just give them what they need at this moment? Would you rule and reign? Would you come with your rule and reign? Set people free. Set people free. Heal, restore, deliver. Bring significance to individuals here this morning. Come and rule and reign and let the advancing of your kingdom in us come in us so you can rule through us. We're eyes on the king. And we're about his kingdom. It's always about you. It's always been about you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.